You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Road to Indianapolis podcast. I'm Lila Bromberg here with Brandon Simberg once again. And today we have Jordan Gold joining us, former Testudo Times staff writer, Jordan, you were part of us launching this last year, so happy to have you back. Most exciting week of the year. How are you guys feeling? Good to be back. Uh, Excited to talk uh, some brackets. I feel like, you know, last year was uh, the question was, uh, is is Maryland a a real contender? And this year it's, you know, will will they survive the first round? But yeah, you know, overall, just a great year of of college hoops uh, that we, uh, able to enjoy and glad we are you know gonna get to see it through till the end it seems yeah it feels whole to have jordan back as he was one of the founders exactly of this podcast and we were about to do a bracket episode last year that of course the world shuts down so excited to talk about our brackets and the bracket and the tournament with you guys yeah so i guess i mean were you guys initial thoughts uh when it dropped because I, I know for maryland we were waiting for our coverage for a while i had like one of those lists of like prepping all of these teams they could face and so most of the bracket release was just crossing off teams but I mean what do you guys think of the different regions of kind of just seeing everything uh drop it just felt so nice to have like the show except Illinois Brandon you guys you guys delayed that and all of those video reviews (laughs) everyone's waiting on you guys (laughs) I didn't like Illinois wins the Big Ten championship I'm in Indy for those that don't know so I'm at the game and people like we're going to take pictures and videos of people cutting down the nets and whatnot. And maybe it's because I saw it last year in Maryland or also because like if you're following me on the Illinois beat, you're following the top people who are going to post those pictures and videos. Brandon's so, like, I just casually like have covered two champions <laughs> in a row. No big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a net cut down before. I know what it's, I, I've seen it before. So I hustled to the media workroom, which is like across for Lucas Oil, because I thought like, oh, I can get there in time to watch the selection show. And I sit down and like. Gonzaga's whole region has been filled in already. I was like, wow, like they start, they started that thing fast. Once Illinois game wrapped up, they got right to it. But my initial reaction did come from Gonzaga. Uh, they are the best team in the country, in my opinion, but I think they have the easiest path of the one seeds to a final four. I mean, they're oh, two seed, their two seed is Iowa, who they've already beaten by double digits. Their three seed is Kansas, who they've beaten by double digits and had a COVID pause in the middle of the Big 12 tournament. Their four seed is Virginia, who had a COVID pause in the middle of the ACC tournament, and they've already beaten Virginia by 30. Like, I'm shocked the committee gave them so many teams they've already played. Their five seed is Creighton, who's been really inconsistent. And Creighton after, is so overrated. It's, like, after, Creighton is terrible. After the, the McDermott incident, like I feel like that team hasn't been the same, and they got whomped by Georgetown in the Big East final. So I really just don't see a way Virginia or Gonzaga does not get to the final four my initial reaction was that they had the easiest path and their path to final four is clear. So that was the first thing that I noticed. What about you guys? The biggest thing for me was I'm, I'm always one to, you know, look immediately at the, you know, the teams that were overseeded and underseeded. And the biggest uh, miss I thought was uh, the Oklahoma state Cowboys and uh, Kate Cunningham, the future number one overall pick. I mean, I thought a four seed was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, going into, Saturday's Big 12 championship you thought if they won that game they're a two seed but if not you know they're locked in at a three seed for sure right and no sure enough they're a four seed having beat 
every single three seed actually and beaten West Virginia twice, once without uh, Cade Cunningham and Isaiah Likely. So I just I thought that that was absurd, but you know wasn't all bad because it leads into a potential Sweet 16 matchup of you know Oklahoma State and Illinois. So um, that's one game that it's like looking ahead a little bit that that could be you know a game of the tournament type matchup. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And honestly, that was one of my first thoughts too, is like that they were four seed was, you know, very confusing to me. Um, Just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. I think some other ones, um, I still think like nine is too high for Wisconsin. I feel like they should have been a 10 or 11, but that's not as, I mean, probably a 10, but that's not as big of a deal. Um, But yeah, I think I was also just surprised that Syracuse got in generally. I definitely did not see Syracuse getting in. Yeah, they weren't even one of the last four in. Like, they were in comfortably. They weren't – they're not playing a playing game. So, you know, you know the world is whole again when Syracuse is on the bubble and pisses people off with the decision that the committee makes. Uh, back to Jordan's point about Oklahoma State, like, it, it obviously hurts the Sooner – or the, the Cowboys who now have a tougher first-round game and a tougher second-round game. But by screwing Oklahoma State, you kind of indirectly hurt other teams – like, I think Tennessee is one of the better five seeds, at least on paper. And now they have to go against Oklahoma State in round two, which, you know, is is unfair. Like, that's Oklahoma State should be a three seed. And then it hurts Illinois, who mm-hmm. should be playing at West Virginia or a Florida State or, you know, or Virginia. Like, they should be playing a different four seed. But now they have to play the best one seed because they're on the four line. So, I, it, like, when you screw Oklahoma State, you definitely hurt them. But now you hurt the other teams, too. And while I'm excited for the potential of Cade Cunningham versus Io DeSumo, it's going to feel weird that's in the Sweet 16 and not the Elite Eight. Yeah, that should be an Elite Eight game 100%. Um, and yeah. that, I think that was one of my toughest decisions kind of going from my gra- bracket. Like, I definitely see Illinois as a Final Four cable team, but I, I feel like neither of those teams should be knocked out in a Sweet 16. That, that really does feel like an Elite Eight matchup. It's already, like, seems like one of the best of a tournament. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think, you know, that that matchup could be, you know, one of the best. And also, you know, looking at that, um, you know, before that round, I think that Illinois in a potential matchup against Loyola or Georgia Tech could be an incredible matchup in the second round. I mean, I don't think Illinois ends up having any issues getting past either of those two teams. But, you know, Georgia Tech was was definitely a team that, you know, when the bracket came out, you know, a little surprised to see the ACC tournament champions led by the ACC player of the year and the ACC defensive player of the year in Moses Wright and Jose Alvarado, that they end up as a nine seed. I mean, I think it was, it was really weird to me to see how the committee treated the ACC. They get what I believe it was seven teams in, which seems high for, you know, a league that was, you know, pretty down this year. Um, But, and, you know, get a team like Syracuse comfortably in, but at the same time you have, their conference tournament champion Georgia Tech as a nine seed, which I don't know. There's not that much difference between an eight or a nine, but you know, you know, you win the conference tournament, maybe they they get onto the seven line. Like I I didn't understand how you could have Georgia Tech on the nine line, but Clemson on the seven line. That's a team that Georgia Tech beat once and then lost on a buzzer beat or two. But then my but then Clemson loses very early in the ACC tournament to a nine-win Miami team. So it's just I, kind of confusing. Um, didn't really understand how you get Clemson on the seven line, Georgia Tech on the nine line. But, you know, 
I think that George, if assuming Georgia Tech can beat Loyola, that Georgia Tech, um, you know, versus Illinois game should be a good one. I mean, Alvarado's lockdown, and you know, getting him on on Io will be interesting. And you know, Moses Wright going up against Kofi, that should be you know a great matchup as well. But I think it'll just come down to the fact that Illinois is just much much deeper in terms of you know quality players. So don't think Illinois struggles to get out of the second round there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jose Alvarado. I mean, just you, I love a kid like that, that, that hustles and just, you know, the emotion he showed after that game. Um, it, it's just fun to watch him play. And, you know, it might not be, it's, he's kind of one of those people that it doesn't necessarily jump out stat wise besides the steel thing, but just the way he impacts the game. Um, and we've just all talked about how much we love uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, just, I love it. I love Josh Pastner so much. It just amazing content. Yeah. And I mean, that's a team that, um, I mean, I thought going into this season, they were definitely an NCAA tournament team, but they come out, they have a COVID outbreak um, to start the season and didn't really get to practice and lose their first two games to Georgia state and Mercer. Those are two quad three losses. So, you know, definitely, you know, a rough way to start the season. And, you know, they really had to claw their way back into it and, you know, finish the season as hot as anyone in the country. So definitely a team to watch, although tough draw for them getting Illinois potentially in the second round. When you look at Georgia Tech, it's not, a, it's not the roster of a typical nine seed at all. And like you said, if they don't have a COVID pause before the season and then they, you know, they probably don't lose to Georgia State and Mercer, they don't lose those two games that's probably a six or seven seed. Like that is not a nine seed. And it stinks. It stinks for Loyola too, because the metrics support Loyola as a good team. I, like, I think they're pretty good. I haven't watched them a ton, but you know, that like, we'll talk about first round matchups in a bit, but I think that'll be the best closest first round matchup. Just the, those two teams that are probably pretty good, probably not actual eight, nine seeds. And then, like you said, they got to play a hot Illinois team. So that little quadrant right there is a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting factor in this tournament, right? It is the team's pauses throughout the season. I know Maryland was talking about how, like, they didn't get any preseason because they had that COVID thing. For them, I think they were in a stacked Big Ten. They're going to struggle anyway, if I'm being completely honest. But, I mean, with a lot of these teams, it's hard to evaluate if you have a team that isn't just out because of contact tracing, but, you know, really has a decent amount of players out. I mean, you saw it with Baylor. Um, you know, they came back and, and kind of struggled a little bit and are they're still good, but they're definitely not at the level they were at. Um, and I think you can just see throughout these different teams, the impact it had. And it, it also makes it tougher to judge these um, when you're doing a bracket because people had different pauses throughout the season. So you have all these different teams reaching their peak at different points in the season. Um, you know, some are even now having issues going into the tournament. So I think there's just so many different layers to this outside of just the fact that like we're playing in a pandemic, not the normal NCAA tournament environment. Absolutely. So looking at the four regions, you got Gonzaga in the West, technically Baylor in the South, Illinois in the Midwest, Michigan, in the East of the four, which maybe intrigues you the most, maybe not, not, not what's not the best, what's not the worst, but to you, like what's the most intriguing to me, it's it's definitely the Midwest. We just hit on that like crazy. Um, and I think that, you know, some other teams down there that, that intrigue me are West Virginia, um, San Diego State. That's a potential great um, second-round matchup. 
But you Shout know, out Joshua Tomajic, by the way. Oh yeah, rotational player uh, for San Diego State. Um, I saw today uh, Ricky Lindo was averaging you know double figure points at GW this year. So a uh, little flash uh, to the past for uh, Maryland basketball. But yeah, the region that I think could have a lot of chaos um, is the East region. Um, I think it's definitely the weakest one seed with Michigan. And I think that there are some uh, some teams that could definitely be put on upset alert, um, you know, early on. And one of those teams to me is Alabama. Um, Alabama was great all season, but me personally, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't love the quality of the basketball in, in the SEC. I think I was high on Bama coming into this season as, you know, potentially like a four or five seed type team, which was higher than a lot of people, you know, suspected they would be. But I think that, you know, they, they dominated a, a weaker conference. Um, they, they beat our, they beat Arkansas and LSU handedly in the regular season, then lost to Arkansas towards the end of the year and end up winning the SEC tournament, which, you know, that's that that's a great accomplishment, but I just think that that league, I don't I don't think it really compares to um, you know the Big Ten and the in the Big Twelve, and I think that you know when they face some of these better teams um, from other conferences, they might struggle, and I think that that second round matchup potentially against UConn uh, could be one where we see Bama lose, and then uh, you know another team that really intrigues me in that region is UNC Greensboro. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, some potential, um, upsets later on. I don't know if they have what it takes to beat Florida state, but Isaiah Miller is definitely one of the best players in the, um, you know, in that region for sure. And I think that, you know, he can flat out score and, you know, maybe he does something crazy and, you know, UNC Greensboro wreaks some havoc in the East region. Yeah. I, I honestly agree with you about Alabama. Um, I've never been that high on them either. I agree with SEC is weaker. I think NATOs is great, but I, I think they're a bit overrated as a team. I don't necessarily see UConn upsetting them. I think, well, first off, I think UConn-Maryland could be a toss-up. They're two extremely uh, defensive teams, have the Big East and Big Ten defensive player of the year. Then you have Booknight and Aaron Wiggins. Obviously, I think Booknight is more talented, but they're guys around the same size who are both really athletic and lengthy um, can kind of create their shot anywhere they want. So I think that could overall be an interesting matchup and it's just going to be kind of who can grit it out more. Cause I see that being a gritty game, but after that, I still see Alabama winning, but where I see them falling is, is to Texas. I definitely see that, that being a sweet 16 matchup there and Texas moving on. Um, I completely agree with you, Jordan. I think that, uh, they're not as strong as people are making them out to be. Yeah, this is to me was also the most like intriguing, weird region. And it starts with Michigan at the top. I mean, I respect Michigan. I think they had a really good season without Isaiah Livers. You know, Michigan isn't a super deep team and they're a team with a superstar where like Livers is a role player that Michigan was kind of the sum of all their pieces coming together. So losing your senior in Livers, who I don't think he's going to play like they say he's out indefinitely, but a foot injury is kind of hard to come back from in a sweet 16 games in two weeks. And LSU is kind of a sneaky nine. You know, they can get hot and hit some shots. I, I think Michigan's going to beat LSU, but they certainly might not get there. And then you have, you know, Patrick Ewing in the hot, Georgetown Hoyas, who I'm not really buying. Uh, I'm not buying them at all. Yeah, I'm not really buying them. And I actually like Colorado. 
And then Florida State is this team where I think all year people were like, watch out for Florida State, watch out for Florida State. And they just like, I think I like the concept of Florida State and like a big athletic team more than I actually like their team. And like when I watch them, I'm just not totally there with them. But if they got to the Sweet 16 and played Michigan, Michigan's kind of worn down. So it's like I could see Florida State getting there. And then you talked about the bottom. Well, first of all, we have Tom Izzo on the 11 seed, on the 11 line. and Yeah, they're know. definitely winning that first four game. There's not a doubt in my mind. I don't know. I kind of like UCLA. Um, but I like either of those teams. You're in the Pac-12. Michigan State's not that good. Let's like, But it's, it's Tom Izzo. It would, I mean, um, I mean lost to Mark Turgeon in the Terps. Uh, yeah, Mick Cronin's not bad either. Um, but either way, I think the winner of that game is beating BYU and then Texas. I was been, I've been high, as you guys both know, I've been high on them all year, but they just go through some lulls. Like Texas is the most talented team on paper in this region, but they go through some lulls. Then, like you said, UConn Bama could be interesting. Like I could legit see Michigan, Bama, Texas, Florida State. You were talking to Colorado, making like there's five teams in this region. I wouldn't be stunned if all of a sudden they're in the final four. And that to me makes it the most interesting because there's no Gonzaga or Baylor who you just know is much better than everybody else. So like this bracket itself, this region itself, I'm still like talking myself through different teams, but it's definitely the most interesting to me. There's, there's a lot of different scenarios that we could see. Cause I mean, I, I will say, you know, I, I think I'm, you know, higher on, on this Maryland team than, um, a lot of people. Um, I think that they definitely have a very decent chance to beat UConn, which, you know, that immediately knocks out one of these potential contenders in the East. And, you know, I, I probably think Maryland doesn't have what it takes to uh, make a sweet 16 this year. I think Alabama will probably, uh, probably, you know, win that one pretty easily. But, um, you know, I do think that, um, you know, it's UConn is going to have their hands full with, with Maryland. I think that that, you know, will definitely be one of the best, one of the premier games, um, you know, of the, of the first round. And uh, I think that the, you know, whoever's making the TV schedule agrees having that game seven ten Saturday on, on CBS. So uh, yeah, no, really excited for, for this region, you know, in particular. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke on that before. I think it's going to be a really gritty, tough game. I mean, I, I was looking at the film and, and the way they both defend of kind of really having that in unison timing, playing man to man, I think just they match up really well against each other. And so that'll be uh, a really interesting game. I mean, even for me as someone who's covered Maryland all season, it's, it's, you don't really know if this group, it's just like inconsistent. Um, Even as they had like that five game win streak, you know, then they have, you know, they collapse down the stretch and two really bad losses that they shouldn't have lost. You know, then they impress against Michigan state, they compete really well against Michigan. I'm not surprised they ended up losing that one just because of how, how Michigan is. But, but if that's kind of a concern with Maryland is it whether they can hold on to leads. I don't see them as a team like last year where you can always count on them to pull uh, wins out. So, I mean, whoever wins, like if they win that game, I definitely see Alabama um, moving on to the next round. I agree that that uh, region could have anyone come out of it. Right now I have Texas coming out of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I I also have Texas coming out of it. But my last point I will I will make about Maryland, then we can we can stop talking about uh, the Tennessee uh, Terrapins, is that I think you know one thing that you know those who have paid attention to the Mark Turgeon era, uh, ten years in Maryland, I think one thing that that I I found uh, to be true 
pretty much every year uh, is that these teams usually play up to their competition and play down to their competition. And I think that you, you can see that uh, mm -hmm. in losses to Northwestern and Penn state. And you can see that in, you know, incredible stretches against a team like Michigan in two of the three matchups. You know, I, I think those were two of the most, the first half against Michigan on new year's Eve and the first half against Michigan last week were two of the more exciting halves of Maryland basketball all season, beating Illinois on the road, you know, beating Purdue, beating uh, Wisconsin at the time. That was a, that was a pretty big win. But uh, yeah, I think that, that this is a, this is a really unpredictable team that, you know, definitely could see advancing past UConn just in that they'll, that, you know, they'll, they'll rise to the occasion. I, I think, you know, even in a win or a loss, I think it'll be a great game. So, so speaking of double digit seeds, I mean, who are ones that you think could, could win um, a few games in this tournament? I'm not sure if I see anyone like going to an elite eight, but I don't even know about a sweet 16, maybe for some of them, but who do you guys see, you know, kind of going far that's either, you know, on that double digit seed line or just kind of past a four seed? Yeah. So there's two that stick out to me, uh, both 12 seeds. I'll start with Winthrop, which I don't know if people know this Winthrop is 23 and one, like, I know they probably they haven't played anybody. They had a really good year, and they're matched up with a Villanova team that is going in the wrong direction after losing Colin Gillespie. Um, I don't know if Justin Moore is 100% healthy. And the 12-5, I mean, that's a pretty trendy 12-5 upset pick, but I just I don't think that, you know, Winthrop's going to be super scared of a Villanova team without their star. So I could see Winthrop winning a game, and then Purdue's the four. Like, I respect Purdue. They're really solid. They're a sturdy team, but they're not like – super scary. You know, they're not like, they don't have any bona fide studs or stars or pros. Like they have a lot of freshmen too. And I could see in a tournament game, the underdog getting hot and the freshman crumbling. So I don't know if I'm picking Winthrop to win two games, but that's definitely the first team I have my eye on. Yeah. I, 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 that matchup intrigues me. I personally will be picking Villanova just in that. I, I just am too much of a Jay Wright stand. I don't think I don't think I, I'd see them losing in the first round. Even without Colin Gillespie, I think, you know, guys like Justin Moore and uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl rise to the occasion. But um, on the other side of the bracket, I think, you know, could have some craziness in these in the Creighton-UC uh, Santa Barbara game and the Virginia-Ohio game. You know, starting – we've already touched on it a little bit with Creighton. I think that that's kind of a team in disarray a little bit. Um, you know, get blown out by Georgetown in the Big East final. Although I, I thought they looked solid against UConn. I watched, watched that whole game. But the, the big the, – the, I, I think those two games are, the, are two of the trendiest, uh, you know, upsets. And touching on Ohio, Virginia, I mean, Virginia, you know, they're not even – they have to pass quarantine on Thursday. They wouldn't even fly out until Friday. And then you have to play Saturday against – one of the most electrifying scores in the country in Jason Preston. And, you know, Brandon saw it firsthand. I mean, this Ohio team had Illinois on the ropes uh, back in November or December, whenever that was. Um, and, you know, it's not just Jason Preston. I, that's, that's a team with five players averaging double figures. So I think that you know, we, could, we could have some, some craziness uh, over in that side of the reason, in, on that side of the bracket, which could make it even easier for – Gonzaga to uh, advance to the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, first off, this I don't think this is a 
this isn't a traditional UVA team. I don't think this is that strong of a UVA team. Um, especially just you don't they don't have kind of the playmakers that can take over a game that you, you kind of need sometimes in March. But I mean, I also see that being a 12-13 match from the next round, but it's not only that one game of Creighton. I feel like Creighton has not lived up to, has been kind of overranked all season, but UC Santa Barbara is a really interesting team that people aren't talking about, especially when you look at how they rank in terms of percentiles um, in the nation. I mean, first off, I think they have only lost one game in 2021, but I mean, you look at the analytics and it's kind of crazy where they're ranking. Um, I think one of the things that intrigues me the most is they average 27.9 bench points a game. That is so crucial in a tournament like this. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, that's a 96th percentile in the country. That's huge. Um, you look at things like their turnover percentage, effective field goal percentage. There's just so many areas of their game where they're some of the best in the country. You know, obviously, they haven't faced that competition. But I don't think that Creighton is – like that much competition. If I'm being completely honest, I, I really don't think they're that good of a team. And, and especially if you look at the last five games for this team, I mean, almost every statistical category is in the 90th percentile or more. Um, but really it's that bench points that really stand out to me is that if someone's not having a great night in that first game or that second game, um, you can count on a lot of other people. And that's so huge. I mean, that's ridiculous. Almost 30 points a game coming from your bench. Um, so I see that 12, 13 matchup and then them being Ohio and then, you know, obviously falling to Gonzaga, but that's a team that I think could surprise some people just with those first two games. Okay. So I'll be the, the bold one here. And I do think UCSB beats Creighton. I'm still riding with Virginia. I am like the, like oh Jordan, <laughs> Jordan backs Nova. I back Virginia. They are the defending champions. People forget they are the defending champions, um, but <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen Ohio in person. Jason Preston's really good, but I actually think he's going to struggle to create against Virginia's half-court pack line defense. And Virginia is just much bigger than Ohio. Like, I agree their guards aren't super creative, and they would get run off the court by Gonzaga again if that matchup came to fruition. But I trust their half-court defense enough and their size, because Ohio's not super big, to just kind of pound um, to just kind of pound Ohio is not big. And I think they'll slow down Jason Preston. Like everyone's copying on the bandwagon. And I do like Jason Preston almost feels too trendy for me at this point in Virginia. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's weird to say, I feel like it's weird that Virginia is getting not enough respect, but people don't respect Virginia. It's okay. I'm going with uh, Tony Bennett though. But the biggest thing for me with Virginia is this whole COVID pause. Like I, in exactly. a normal year, you know, I'm, you know, back in Tony Bennett, you know, 10 times out of 10. But I think that we saw very frequently throughout uh, this college basketball season how, you know, uh, impactful these COVID pauses um, have been. I, I don't know the exact figures, but it's like, you know, watching these these big teams, the only one that I can remember coming off a of COVID pause and actually winning um, was um, Michigan. And then Baylor did it also, but they were on the ropes against a two and 20 Iowa state team. So, you know, I, I think that although this pause won't have been for as long as uh, you know, some of those other teams, I think that it's, it's really impactful and, you know, having to be all good Thursday, you fly out to Indy Friday and then you're playing Saturday. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, 
I have a hard time picking against Tony Bennett as well, but we'll see. I, I feel like one of those Villanova or Virginia loses. Um, it's just, you know, picking, picking the right one. Yeah. I mean, you're not practicing all week. That has a big impact, you know, like with having the travel, with having to be in quarantine and not being able to like move around as much. Like I just don't think they're going to be fresh enough to play. Yeah, we'll see. I also think Ohio is a 16 and seven Mac team that, like I feel like if Virginia was playing like an eight seed, I wouldn't pick them. But I really like I'm not buying Ohio, and I think it's more the- thinking that Virginia can't do it for me. I've thought they weren't as good all season in this COVID situation. Like to not practice all week, to basically just be in your room all week because you're in this quarantine. Like you don't know. And to play a tournament game, you don't know who they're going to be bringing either. I mean, there yeah. could be players that you know. What happens if Jay Huff doesn't get off the bus? You know. Um, I mean, I think that there's, there, there's a lot of unknown. And I, I think that that um, is, is the same with, with Kansas um, as well, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, so let's get into that now. Like who, cause this, this will tie into what I have to say, but who are maybe some of the middle seeded? We all kind of agree a double digit seed final four run is probably not in the cards this year, especially with the strength of the one seeds, but maybe who are some middle seeded teams we think could make an elite eight middle seeded being like five to nine an elite eight or maybe a final four. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick, you know, in that Kansas area because I think Kansas survives that first game against Eastern Washington, but I think that they lose in the second round to USC. Um, you know, Pac-12 was an interesting league this year and USC was, um, you know, definitely inconsistent but, you know, I look at that team, that's one of the more talented teams in the country. And I know that I saw Kansas is already going to be without Jalen Wilson. Um, you know, we don't know the status of David McCormick. I, I know he was out for the Big 12 tournament. So who knows what's, what that's going to, what they're going to even look like. And then you have someone who is going to be the number two overall pick likely in the NBA draft and Evan Mobley. You have his brother, Isaiah Mobley, who's not too shabby himself. You know, Taj Edie, I saw that guy, you know, throw up, you know, close to 30 points against Oregon uh, just a couple weeks ago. And I, I just – I really like that that USC team. Um, and right below them, I think uh, Oregon has a chance to make some noise um, as well. I mean, that's – it's going to be a really tough matchup for Iowa in the second round. And I think that there's a great chance that we see uh, Sweet 16 between those two class teams of the Pac-12 with one of those, uh, you know, earning a date against Gonzaga. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Oregon, that just makes me think like I really wanted to see Peyton Pritchard in a, in a tournament last year, but um, I think there's also another six seed um, that could make some noise. And I think that's Texas tech. I see them making an elite eight and having them have yet another rematch against Baylor. Obviously Chris Beard is an amazing coach. He has had success in the tournament and they just have a lot of ex- exciting players, Mac McClung, you know, Terrence uh, Shannon Jr., uh, Marcus Santo Silva. I just think they're a really fun, fast-paced team. And when they get confident, um, they can do really well. Like when they're on a roll and they're feeling it, you know, they're there. They've shown the ability to close games late. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're an exciting team. I mean, you look at their path to, to get there. Um, you know, I see them being Utah State. And then, you know, you have a tough matchup with Arkansas. But again, um, as much as I love Eric Musselman, it's not as strong as a conference. I think Texas Tech has a lot more talent that can take over a game. So 
And then it's been also a tough game with Ohio State, but while Ohio State kept it close against Illinois, like I just think they've been dropping. Yeah, I, I like Texas Tech. It's, it's an exciting, hungry young team that um, really has some electrifying play and can just take over a game at times. Yeah, you guys hit on the three teams I was going to mention. I mean, for me, that Texas Tech, Arkansas, Ohio State trio, like mm-hmm. even though it's a two, three, and six seed, I really don't think those teams are that like I really don't think those teams are that different from each other. I think they're all pretty equal. So I can definitely see one of those teams make your run. USC is the one I do have in my elite eight. That is the one like mid seat I have because like Jordan said, Kansas is uh, Kansas banged up with COVID. If they don't have David McCormick, Evan Mobley is going to eviscerate them. He Evan Mobley's last two games averaging 26, nine rebounds and five blocks and three assists. Like, that dude is incredible. He's going to be the best player on the floor for most of their games. And they could run to Iowa in the Sweet 16, but, you know, Iowa is so Garza dependent and Mobley's the best offensive big in the set, in the country. I could see him taking out Garza and and then him scoring on Garza on the other end because he's much more athletic and mobile on the perimeter. It's a bad matchup for Iowa if that gets there. So I do have USC in my Elite Eight. I'm with Jordan on that. And I'm not even sure Iowa gets past Oregon. I was going to say that. Do you think that Iowa can beat Oregon? Because I think that could be an interesting game. You know, it's a 2-7, but I think that could be a way closer game than than people think. And you and I have talked about this all year. While Iowa has done better defensively, there are concerns there. Yeah, Oregon's the much – like Mo, or Garza is much bigger than any, any Oregon big. Oregon's just kind of this group of 6'4 to 6'8 athletes. But their guards are going to kill Iowa's guards. Their guards are much more athletic. Chris Duarte is better than Wieskamp. Um, it's going to, it can Garza have like this senior tournament moment where he kills Oregon and he very well might, he, he's unbelievable, but yeah, Oregon, Iowa is probably the second round is one of the second round matchups I'm looking forward to most. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that that matchup is going to be insane. And I, I think you, you, re, you touched on it a little bit like Garza versus Evan Mobley. I think that that just has all the makings of just such, yeah, I have that game. such an incredible matchup to watch. And it's like, you know, for all, for all those people that are like, you know, Garza is the best player in, in college basketball. Why can't, why can't he have a great NBA career? It's like, watch, let's watch him play against Evan Mobley. That, yes. that'll, that'll probably yeah. give you your answer. Why, why Luca Garza's, you know, uh, you know, mid second round pick if that. So it's like, I, I, I'm really excited to watch that. I think it, it'll really show you, you know, you know, just a lot about college basketball and it's like who you got, you know, the, the, the senior, who's, you know, maybe not that athletic, but, you know, has dominated the Big Ten all year or the freak athlete who's going to be a top three pick. Um, you know, I just I, I love that matchup. I, th- I think that that's just insanely intriguing. I still think Io's player of the year or Jared Butler. Um, we've discussed this on other podcasts, but yeah, um, I, I don't see Iowa um, getting past a sweet 16. I can see them. I, I have them beating Oregon. Um, but I don't, I don't see them getting past a sweet 16. Um, you also have to consider kind of the experience of guys in the NCAA tournament and getting far. And that isn't exactly there. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about, we've talked about a lot of the two seeds and like their potential matchups and going down early. What about the one seeds? Who do you guys kind of see as maybe the first one seed that could go down? Michigan. It's Michigan for me too. I mean, we've talked about was with Xavier Simpson being out before. It's just, it's a huge loss. Like we said, we don't know how long he's going to be out. And I mean, it's not only like just having his production on the court, it's having his leadership on the court, directing the offense, directing the defense. 
Um, and he's also like the most experienced player on that team has experience playing in tournaments. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a huge loss as good as they have been throughout the season that that really froze a wrinkle into the situation. I just don't see them having the right leadership on the court to um, go as far as people were expecting when they had Xavier Simpson. You know, for, besides Michigan, like I, I think Michigan will have their, their hands full with, uh, you know, the winner of LSU versus St. Bonaventure, which I think is, you know, one of the best matchups of the first round. Uh, but I do think that they kind of get a weaker uh, Sweet 16 matchup, uh, you know, potentially going against Colorado or Florida State. You know, to me, like if it's not Michigan, I think um, could potentially be Illinois. Uh, just in that it's a brutal path for them. It's it's really a brutal path for them. I mean, you know, like like we've already hit on, you know, facing Oklahoma State in a potential Sweet 16 matchup is just – I mean, that's just not fair. Like it's – that's not a team you should have to face in the Sweet 16. So I think, you know, if Michigan is to survive the first uh, weekend – you know, I, I think they're they're probably good to make it to the Elite Eight in my eyes. Um, but Illinois, that that could it, it could very well be a Sweet Sixteen loss. Um, you know, I wouldn't shock me. I, I don't think it happens, but you know, it wouldn't shock me. Here, here's yeah. why I don't think that happens. Just the way Illinois is able to close out games, I, I don't think that Oklahoma State can close out games that same way. They have Cade. Kate, I would. Right. I'm, I'm taking Kate over Iowa. No disrespect, Iowa, if you're listening. I'm saying as a collective team, though, I, I have more faith in Illinois to close out games. I think they're both incredible players, but I think when it comes down to it, I, I kind of see Illinois being able, be, being able to pull it out there late. But it's going to be an incredible game. I could definitely see that going to OT. Like I could. Yeah, I that, mean, that's the game of the tournament I'm looking forward to. And like we said, it should be an elite eight matchup. If there's two minutes left in the game. Cade Cunningham is the scariest guy on the planet to me. I, I, I'm terrified of Cade. Like just, he, I mean, he's oh, been so good. incredible. Yeah. Um, I'll, so I do think Michigan gets, I don't think LSU can do like, I, if LSU got hot, they conceivably could, but they don't play any defense and they have no size. I actually think Dickinson, if they played an LSU Michigan game would feast on LSU's weaker bigs. Uh, I, I'll throw out Baylor, North Carolina. If, I have Baylor. I have Baylor. To go, I have Baylor to go to the championship, and it's North Carolina is actually the team in their region that scares me the most because North Carolina. I'll take North North Carolina. I know. I think Baylor's getting to the title game. Let's, but I think they're the scariest team in the region because they're so much bigger than Baylor. They're huge. They're ginormous. They've been a little bit better down the stretch. They have talent. Like I, I don't think Baylor's going to lose. I think their guards are so much better than North Carolina. It's not going to matter. But North Carolina is going to win the rebound battle. They're going to get Baylor's bigs in foul trouble. They're so much bigger. It that's a game I'm keeping my eye on. And if I, like if I'm a Baylor fan, I get past that game. I'd sigh of relief. Uh, I think they get back past that game easily. I think their hardest game is going to be uh, that game I mentioned versus Texas Tech. Especially since those teams are so familiar with each other, I think. That, that takes it to a whole nother level in terms of scouting and, and what you can do in that game. Um, if OSU, Texas Tech gets there, they have to beat. Right. That, that could State be against be. Ohio State as well, but I, I do see Texas Tech getting there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's Michigan. Um, you know, I have Illinois in my final four. I have them in my championship game. Um, I think that Oklahoma State game is going to be really tough. 
I think it's going to be an extremely close game, the game of the tournament, but um, besides maybe a championship or final four game, but I see Illinois pulling out of that. Yeah, I guess my answer is a tie because I have both Michigan and Illinois losing in the Sweet 16. So my answer is a tie. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily – the thing is, like, with Michigan, like, I don't necessarily – I see them definitely losing in the lead eight to Texas. But in terms of whether they were to lose before that, I don't know if Florida State or LSU are capable of doing that. Those aren't two teams that I have a lot of confidence in. Um, so I think those two matchups could be toss-ups, honestly. 100%. So we've kind of been dancing around it. We've talked about some teams we kind of like, kind of don't like. Let's just get down to the nitty gritty. You know, Jordan, I'll start with you. Who do you have in your Elite Eight, your Final Four, your championship game, and who you got winning it all? Um, so I'll start off with uh, the Elite Eight. I got Gonzaga and I got Iowa. I think that Iowa survives uh, Oregon and USC. Um, and then um, I have Gonzaga going to the final four out of there. And then after that, I have um, Florida State versus Texas. Um, I know I actually just said a minute ago that I think Michigan probably survives, but I just looked back at my bracket and I had Florida State, so we'll roll with that. Uh, but I think Texas comes out of that that uh, region. I think Texas beats Alabama, and uh, you know I just I love Texas top to bottom. I think that you know, I've heard a uh, couple couple of days now. John Rothstein has been saying Jericho Sims could be this year's version of Jordan Bell at Oregon on uh, their Final Four run, and I, I really like that. I just Texas is they, they got they got that final four potential to me and they're in the region that they can do it, um, I think. And then moving up, um, I got Baylor. I've been on Baylor all season. I love Baylor. I don't I think I think it could get dicey in the Elite Eight, but I love Baylor. I don't think North Carolina is gonna beat them or Wisconsin. Um and then um down in the Midwest, I have Illinois, uh, you know, narrowly narrowly surviving Oklahoma State and West Virginia. And then moving into the final four, I got Baylor over Illinois uh, in a rematch from earlier this season. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, at the beginning of the season, I liked Gonzaga and Baylor. I said, no, nobody's beating these two teams. And I, I I'd like to stick with that. Um, you know, the college basketball is a, you know, full body of work sport. And uh, you know, I, I just like uh, Baylor's body of work a little bit better than Illinois. Um, and then it's, I have Gonzaga over Texas and it's easy. I mean, I've been saying it all season, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. I mean, I just, I love this team. Jalen Suggs is my favorite player in college basketball, maybe uh, besides those, those guys on the Terps. Um, and I just, I love watching Jalen Suggs. Drew Timmy's a beast. Kispert's a beast. I just, I, I can't see anyone beating them. It, uh, this is, this is Mark. It's been Mark Fuse year, you know, all year. I, I I've been saying it and I just, I don't think anyone beats them. So that's actually my, my exact final four. I was, I was kind of in a toss up. Um, like I said, in that Oklahoma state game, and I think the winner of that game makes a final four. Um, but I did have that of Gonzaga, Texas, Baylor, Illinois. Um, my difference is I have Illinois advancing to uh, the championship game, but I think that could go either way with Baylor, Illinois. I think that's really a toss up and that's another um, one that I've really been kind of going back and forth on before I officially submit my brackets to some pools and uh, to some posts. But uh, again, completely see Gonzaga winning this. They're just on a whole nother level than anyone else right now. I, I think the thing with Baylor is can they 
it seems like after the pause, they were taking a bit to find their groove back. And, and of course, like they, they've showed it, but I still think they're trying to get back to that elite, elite level. Um, and the question is, can they get there? I think they can, but I, I think that's another really tough game, Baylor, Illinois. Um, and then in kind of terms of my, I guess I'll kind of go backwards from there in, in terms of getting there. Uh, when you look at, at the South, like I think I had mentioned before, I have Baylor, Texas Tech there. Um, and I'm going to go with Gonzaga, USC um, on the other side. I think I see Iowa winning two games, but I mean, I mean, you, out, you outlined it, um, Brandon, of kind of all the disadvantages that Iowa does face in USC. And um, I don't know. I, I don't think they're a team that's made to go really far just based on, on what I've seen in terms of their defense, in terms of how they've performed um, in some tournaments. So that's where I'm going there. Um, you go down to the Midwest and uh, Illinois versus West Virginia. Um, I see Houston getting to uh, that round of 32 um, and, and probably I have Rutgers. They're probably getting past Rutgers, um, but I see West Virginia uh, easily beating them. I could even see that being like a, a eight point game or more. Um, I don't think Houston's amazing. Um, so yeah, that would be Illinois, West Virginia another great game. And then like Jordan said, it's, it's kind of tough whether Michigan goes to elite eight in that East uh, region or not. Obviously I have Texas moving forward from there. Um, yeah. I have Michigan on my bracket right now. Um, as much as I'm concerned about Xavier Simpson, I don't have a lot of faith in FSU or in LSU to, um, to get to that point. Okay, so I guess I'm a little different here. Um, I do have Gonzaga USC in the West Region Elite Eight. Um, that is 100% where I'm going with, like I said, USC over Gonzaga. On the East, no one's made the pitch for Bama, so I'll do it. Uh, only, <laughs> only six losses, and they started the year four and three. So they're like 22 and three in their last 25 games. I think their floor is pretty high because – they defend really well. And that's a really underrated part of their team. They're second in defensive Ken Palm. Like that team, they're known for their shooting and their offense, but they actually defend really well. They have a bunch of Herb Jones. Herb Jones is one of the best defenders in the country. I'm just shocked right now. You're you're choosing a team over Texas, your beloved Texas. I know, but Texas, I've also liked Bama all year. And Texas has, look, if Texas gets the final four. You've been telling me Texas was going to make a final four all year. I I know, but now (laughs) I've seen with Bama. I'm also emotionally hedging here because if if Texas gets the final four and like Baylor does and maybe Oklahoma State does, the Big 12 was clearly the best conference and I can celebrate that. So I'm emotionally hedging myself here. I'm going to be happy either oh my way. God. Um, I'm going to be you happy. You don't have enough faith in the team you're covering. They're really well, good. I'll get to their bracket in a second. But so I have, I have Florida State over Bama, but I really wanted to do Colorado, but for now, I'll do Florida. Uh, sorry, I'll do Bama over Florida State. I'm about to I have, say Florida State making a Final Four. <laughs> no, I do have Florida State making the Elite Eight. But I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but I have Bama beating them. Again, Bama's defense has been awesome. They have a ton of shooters and athletes, and I think that they're just a really well-put-together team and we're really consistent down the stretch. So that's that region. Let's move to the top right, the south. Uh, Baylor, Sharpie, all the way through. I, mm-hmm. I like, you know, I have Baylor beating Arkansas right now. I do like what the Razorbacks have done recently. Moses Moody can be that March star. He was really good in the SEC tournament. And I like Ohio State. I'm just not super confident in their 
Like, I feel like Dwayne Washington is going to have a game where he goes like three for 15 and they get bounced. And I feel like that's that Arkansas game. And then, yeah, Illinois region. Huh, I, I hate how they seeded that region. We talked about this. Like, I just think it's. I do think, the I, I think region. Illinois and Oklahoma State are probably two of the best five teams in the country right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think. They shouldn't Oklahoma, be on the, in the same region, in my opinion. It's, it's a shame because I think they're really two of the best five teams in the country right now. And Illinois can certainly win that game. But to be a contrarian, to maybe win my bracket pools if Oklahoma State does pull this <laughs> off, I'm riding with Cade. I'm riding with the Cowboys. Um, and I have them beating West Virginia. I do think West Virginia-Houston could be a good game. I do respect the Cougars. But, again, I'm the Big 12 guy. Deuce McBride is my guy. So my final four is Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, Oklahoma State. And like Jordan said, like we've said all year, it seems like Gonzaga-Baylor are destined to meet. And again, I probably think Gonzaga is a better team, but I want to win my bracket pools. And if Baylor can do it and I have Baylor, I'll win my pools, but I'll make the case for Baylor. They're much deeper. They're Jalen Suggs is probably the best guard in the game. Although I don't know, Jared Butler's pretty good, but Baylor's backcourt as a whole is better. Davion Mitchell is a third team, all American. They shoot. They're the best three point shooting team in the country. You know, I think if Suggs has an off night because Baylor's defensive guards are so good, I don't know where Gonzaga goes to, where Baylor has guys like Flagler, Teague, Mitchell, Matthew Mayer's had spurts. I think Baylor's deeper. They're more senior-led. And I'm going to – if it gets – I'm going to roll with Baylor because I trust the seniors, I trust the guards, and I think going undefeated is really hard too. So I'm leaning Baylor right now. You mentioned a point about doing well in brackets, and I think that's a thing for me that I was struggling with as I was filling out my bracket. It was like, okay, I know I have some – maybe like sleeper picks uh, in the first two rounds. But after that, I feel like it, it's not been like other years where I really feel like I'm rolling the dice as much. Maybe I'll be wrong, maybe not, but I don't know. It just seems like there aren't as many um, teams that I have confidence in to, to go um, past the Sweet 16. Yeah, for me, it's like if you have Gonzaga winning the title, you probably need to be – like winning your bracket pool going into the final four to win yeah. it. Whereas like, I'm hoping if I'm, da- if I'm within range and I have Baylor and someone had me as Gonzaga, Baylor winning it all can jump. But I mean, Gonzaga is amazing too. I was not trying to discern them. I do think Baylor can do it though. So that's where I lean. Uh, this is why you submit know. multiple brackets. You know, you got to have your different scenarios. I usually do two of like my main scenario and then like a backup scenario of like this crazy thing could happen. But usually the first one I do wins. I think I've committed to like five or six at this point. So I'm going to have a bunch of different <laughs> scenarios. Uh, all with Baylor or Gonzaga probably winning it all. Maybe maybe I'll show Illinois some some Big Ten love. Uh, but I think it's it's got to be one of, one of those three teams. Uh, I can't see anyone else. I, I just can't. And unless you guys have any other thoughts, I just wanted to give a final – thought here but I'll let you guys go first any other takes as we head into the best time of the year March Madness is about to get underway anything else on your mind Uh, I think that I think the Big 12 is going to do really well in this tournament oh my god I've been saying it all year I think the Big 12 I mean we talked about all these big 12 we think think that can make a run Texas Texas Tech we like Oklahoma State maybe Baylor not Kansas. Kansas is probably done for, but like there's five big 12 teams. We really like to make a run. And I think that the big 12 is going to cement itself as the team as the league that has the most teams in the picture. 
But Big Ten, Big, Big Ten teams will say, oh, we had the most teams playing in the round of 32. You are so. way too passionate about this topic. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll, agree, I'll agree with Brandon because I, I know, I feel like Brandon and I have been, been texting for weeks now every uh, – Every, every college big, basketball game is every, about every big 12, every big 12, big Monday and big Thursday matchup. It's like, you just sit down and you're like, wow. I mean, these teams are just awesome to watch. And that's why it's like, and I do agree with that. It, it, it made me, it made me so sad seeing Oklahoma state, you know, get, get yeah. screwed the way that they, that they did. Um, so yeah, I, I think the big 12 is going to do really well. And I think that uh, at just like the last uh, 20 NCAA tournaments, the Big Ten uh, probably does not have the uh, the national champion. Um, and then uh, my hot take, I will go back to uh, Maryland um, and say I I don't I don't I, I'm so 50 50 on you know if if this will actually happen or not. But uh, you know, just let's just say it for the takes. This will be the last time Mark Turgeon coaches Maryland basketball. You don't think they wait for the contract to be up? You don't think they wait one year to? I'm with I'm with Jordan. Like, I think, I think, uh, really? You think they're gonna take that money loss after all the losses they've already had? If we can go into it for a second, I'll say there's. I don't think he will be fired. I mm-hmm. there's. I think there's about a zero percent. Oh right, Brandon, you did tell me this. So so here's here's how it'll happen. Um, is you know there's there's a couple different scenarios. Uh, you know, either. Damon Evans is, you know, uh, um, you know, pleads with the job that Mark Turgeon does and offers him, you know, a, a real extension. Um, there could be, um, you know, kind of a, a um, extension that uh, puts little risk on both sides in terms of buyout, similar to what, um, you know, we just saw with uh, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh in football, where <laughs> it's kind of like a, a, a bogus extension in that, and then it's like both sides, or you know, they're like, eh, we don't really know, like we're not really sure, but here's a little security, so you know, you can you can recruit because Mark Turgeon won't go into next year at Maryland without some sort of new contract because you just you can't recruit like that, you know, with with such little well, also ability. also um, you know is that top recruiter, and when they lost Dustin Clark, that really dropped off the recruiting as well. I don't think Turgeon's ever been the guy behind their recruiting, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a, a different topic. And then the third option is Mark Turgeon, you know, kind of being nudged out the door saying, you know, we're not going to give you an extension. You know, there's a lot of high major, um, you know, options out there. Um, seen the, the most recent one that uh, it seems the Maryland fans are really excited, uh, the ones that don't like Turgeon, are, uh, is Iowa State. Um, that's been one that, that was tossed out uh, I saw recently. But I don't know. I – I I've been watching Maryland basketball a long time. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I think Mark Turgeon has, has done a you know pretty solid job. I think that, you know, if the tournament get, gets played last year, a lot of people think differently of Mark Turgeon. And I think if I was Damon Evans, um, you know, what I would be doing is offering that, uh, you know, low risk, low risk extension to let him see, you know, to see, I think, I think next year Maryland has the potential to be a really good team if they can, uh, you know, add some pieces around this core and Aaron Wiggins sticks around. I mean, but we don't have to get into that too much, but I think if I was Damon Evans, that's what I would do. But I, I don't know. It, it It's really interesting and something that, you know, every Maryland fan should be monitoring because it is, it, it this is, it's now or never, I, I would say, um, you know, when it comes to 
to Mark Turgeon in Maryland. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll speak on that really quickly. Um, I think that Mark Turgeon is not getting enough credit for what he has done this year. Um, I agree that he's, he, that Maryland fans have a higher standard. And, you know, I agree that there's a real desire to have um, a team that really is pushing more to go far from the tournament rather than someone who's just consistently making the tournament. Um, and, and I agree with that, but I will say you have to acknowledge the job he's done this year and completely, um, you know, obviously the team was in this position because of his poor recruiting uh, and because he didn't plan ahead, but uh, at, at the same time, just how he's kind of adjusted. And I think um, I've seen him show more of who he is as a coach this year than any other year I've covered or watched him. So I will say that, um, but yeah, I, I think that there is going to be a lot of pressure on him to leave. And I think, I think it's also coming from him though. I think that like there's been a sense for a long time that he's just been exhausted. You, you can see it on his face, even when they're doing well, like you, you can tell the stress of a job has gotten to him. And I think honestly, like he would prefer to be at, you know, a program in the Midwest, which we you know we've talked about some teams, but also just, I, I think he's ready for a different fan base. I don't know. I, I just think that like, this has been really stressful. I think the big 10 has, has just been crazy over the past years. And I think he might be looking for a change and like, he knows how fans like he knows about all of that stuff. And I, I think it's been weighing on him for a while, honestly. And, but like the two teams, you suggested Iowa state. Um, Brandon has said Kansas state to me, but we talked about how good the, the big 12 is. Does he want to jump into another league that good? Yeah. Another intriguing option that I was reading today could be DePaul uh, in the big that, East. That I could uh, see that I could definitely see. I mean, that's you, you'd be going to, uh, you know, a big city in Chicago compared to Manhattan, Kansas or Ames, Iowa, you know, no offense. Well, he's a Kansas guy, town. but yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, that's the storyline that I'm so intrigued with. And like I said, if I was the athletic director, I'm given, I, I want to see, I want to see a little more from Mark Turgeon because, you know, if Maryland does make a coaching change, you better, you better hit that one out of the park. There, there's going to be look at look at what happened look at look at Penn State today in and just really the state of college basketball and that you make a coaching change you know basically every single impact player is going to go into the transfer portal probably and you know it's it's on that new coach to recruit those guys back that happened at at Alabama uh, when Oates came in uh, John Petty and you know some other players I believe entered the transfer portal and you got to recruit all those guys back and I'm not saying you know you make the right coaching hire you know, hopefully he does recruit those guys back and recruit some great players on top of it. Um, but I don't know. It's it. It's a lot to, you know, tear it all down and start back. I mean, I think if, if Mark Turgeon is gone, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, a situation where Maryland basketball is, you know, would be in a, a full, you know, rebuild, I would say. I, I will add one point of that. Um, unless Brandon wants to add something after that. I'll, I'll let Brandon add something after that. And then I'll add my, final thought, which I want to end on. But um, I think kind of what you mentioned, like, I think it depends more on who is out there that they can land as a coach, because that, that's a coaching hire that you really need to nail. And I think it's really going to depend on what options are out there. Yeah, th that's a big thing for me is it, really just like, who do you have that's going to be better? 
Like I said, I don't think Mark Turgeon is the long-term solution, but I do think he needs to get a little, you know, credit for what he has done this year. But I just don't think um, he's a person to take it to the next level. Um, so I really think it honestly depends on the money situation for Maryland because they are not in the best financial situation right now. And they haven't been for a bit, um, but also uh, who is out there. My two cents before I go, Tom Crean. That's the man. Go get Tom Crean. Knows the D.C. area well. Uh, has, has had success in the Big Ten. Go get Tom Crean. If, if you're going to let Turgeon walk, go get Tom Crean. That's my two cents. For me, it's Musselman, if possible. Ooh, I would love Musselman. That's, that's, I would love but that. I, but I don't think that's realistic. Um, I don't think he's recruiting in this area I, down, though. Yeah, no, Jordan, Jordan I, want, I want the – Hoosiers to get Brad Stevens. We're not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think Musselman's realistic. Um, but I think, I think Thad Mata. Uh, you know, talking about another Big Ten former Big Ten coach. I think that if Turgeon was to go, I think there would be a lot of mutual interest. But yeah, we can we can leave it at that. We can talk about that another time if uh, if my hot take uh, happens. So I will end on this note. We've spent this whole time talking about the men's tournament. And I think it needs to be said that the women's tournament um, this year, people need to be paying a lot more attention to. You look at women's basketball this year, this is the most wide open field you've had in a bracket in a very, very long time. I think just covering Maryland, their style of play is incredible. You look at um, a program like UConn, there's just so many impressive players from Paige Beckett, Beckers to Caitlin Clark to Ashley Owusu. Um, you're seeing some really exciting fun, fast styles of play. Uh, there's just the field's wide open this year. There's so many teams that could go far. And I think that this is a year that people, people in general need to respect women's basketball a lot more, but I highly suggest people that might not always watch the women's tournament to tune in this year, because I really think it's going to be the best you've seen in a really long time. And just the style of play of so many of these teams, is just incredibly fun and entertaining to watch. So thank you guys so much for joining we are almost at March Madness, best time of year, so everyone enjoy.